Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, January the 28th, 2024. It is the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our reading is from the Gospel according to St. Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. So I get particularly excited on certain calendar days, and one of those days, well, we have a lot of great saint days at the end of January. We just had St. Francis de Sales and St. Paul, and now the 28th is typically St. Thomas Aquinas, and then a couple days we have St. John Bosco. These are great saints. Just like at the beginning of January, we have Mother Seton and St. John Newman, St. Andre Bessette. So in this reading, see, on Sunday, we don't celebrate the feast days of the saints because we're celebrating Sunday. Um, Sunday itself is a higher feast <laughs> than particular saint days. The only time a feast would be higher than a Sunday is if it were Christmas or something to that effect. So... We are celebrating a Sunday, and this is the Sunday Gospel, but I always like to reference the saint of the day if it's a big saint, and St. Thomas Aquinas is a very big saint. They say that Jesus is giving a new teaching, and he has authority. And a sign of this authority is that it drives out evil spirits. So that's powerful right there, and that means a lot. And it does very much apply to talking about St. Thomas. St. Thomas in the 12th to 13th century was a Dominican, one of the early Dominicans, one of the first people to join the Dominicans, which means the Dominican order was authentic. It was still genuinely living poverty. It was very faithful to church teaching. I would say the Dominicans are still doing pretty well in general in the world today. A lot of other orders have fallen even though they still exist, they've morally fallen, they've dogmatically fallen. Uh, the Dominicans usually do pretty well. Uh, they've been through a lot of reforms, just like all the other communities that are out there. And St. Thomas, his family was well-to-do, and they didn't want him to become a Dominican because they didn't want him to live real poverty. But he saw the authenticity of the way they were living, and he wanted to teach with this authority of Jesus, this new teaching. He was an intellectual, and so he wanted to teach, and he wanted to write, and he wanted to live the faith the best to the best of his ability, and his family tried so hard to get him to be diocesan, or at least one of the Benedictines that had become very corrupt at that time. St. Thomas gave a new type of teaching in that he was brilliant, and he brought together the teacher, the, just as Augustine had done with Plato, the Greek philosopher Plato, 
St. Thomas brought in the Greek philosopher Aristotle to church teaching, to writing about the faith, and people were very scandalized. They weren't scandalized by Augustine bringing in Plato because Plato focused on the spiritual. Now, if all we ever do is focus on Plato, then we're in heresy because we're denying the body, we're denying the humanity of Christ. Augustine was not a heretic by any means. He's the father of the fathers of the church, the greatest of the church fathers. And yet Augustine was, he very much favored the spiritual in his writings, which made sense that he had such a love for Plato because he had lived a life of sin in the flesh before he was converted, became a priest, became a monk, became a bishop. And so, yes, Augustine's writings favor the supernatural. They favor the spiritual. And this is really the tendency of the church for the past, well, at least going back to Augustine, maybe even before that. Most devout people nowadays, and I talk about this all the time, they tend to, if they should ever become unbalanced, and a lot of people are, they tend to go a little bit too much to the spiritual. Um, uh, people will say uh, in, in response to this, you know, we're not called to be angels. We're called to be human to the best of our ability. Jesus did not walk around as an angel. He walked around as a man. And our humanity is sacred because Jesus took it on. Jesus lived it. Pope John Paul's theology of the body helps us to become very balanced. And the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas, really, as he's bringing in Aristotle, which focuses a lot more on the body, people that focus more on the spiritual life will initially be opposed to Aristotle. Yet, the reality is, church teaching has always favored body and soul. Just as almost every heresy in the history of the church either focuses too much on either the spiritual or the human side of Jesus. And they get Jesus wrong because they're off balance. So really, by bringing in Aristotle and a teaching that's more focused on bodily things, it brings us into balance. That's Thomas Aquinas's uh, modus operandi. And honestly, Thomas, uh, Thomas, just as Augustine was the father of the fathers, St. Thomas now is the doctor of the doctors. So yes, St. Thomas had a new teaching with authority. At the time that he taught, a lot of church authorities were against him because they thought his writings looked heretical because of this new element of bringing in some very bodily ideas. But a couple centuries later, when we read the official church decree on the Eucharist written by the Council of Trent, the church fathers or the council fathers at the time of the Council of Trent, the whole entire thing is just a big footnote to Thomas Aquinas. They didn't even try to rewrite it. They just quoted him for pages and pages and pages. Why? Because Thomas got it right. So much of what we believe about the Eucharist needed the writings of Aristotle to fully round it out, to fully give us, yes, this is what the church believes. This is what we've always taught and believed, but we weren't able to say it before. So even though the Greek philosophers on their own were missing Christ and therefore they were not fully true, fully correct, uh, when they're brought in, Plato by Augustine, Aristotle by Thomas Aquinas, now we have this beautiful language to use to describe our faith. It starts with Jesus being human and divine, fully human, fully divine, 
And then it moves towards a teaching now on the Eucharist that St. Thomas gives us. The Eucharist is Jesus. It's not a part of Jesus. It's not that Jesus is in the bread. It's not a symbol of Jesus. It is Jesus. And I wanted to move to this next little part of this reading here. Jesus has a new teaching. And he has authority that drives out evil. The Eucharist drives out evil. And Thomas helps us to understand it so much better. So we celebrate Thomas Aquinas because we want to celebrate the Eucharist more and more. We want to understand the Eucharist more and more. In the Eucharist, we find Jesus. In the Eucharist, therefore, we find true meaning, true life. We come to understand ourselves better, who we are, what life is truly meant to be all about. So the Eucharist drives out the devil. I have stories in my own life, in my own ministry, of bringing consecrated hosts with me in my pocket to a prayer service at an abortion clinic. And the following week, the abortion clinic shut down. Why did I bring the Eucharist with me to pray at an abortion clinic? Well, because I had heard there was a priest in Texas that went to like six different abortion clinics and performed benediction, and they all shut down. In order to keep these clinics going, you need evil. <laughs> Not that anybody needs evil. We're against it. But that's how it works. It's so much more than just health care. In fact, it's not health care. It's pure evil, the killing of a baby. And so the Eucharist drives out evil. The, evil, the, the true presence of Jesus drives out evil. Um, there have been times in my own ministry where the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist uh, accompanied prayers being said over... Um, strip clubs, uh, places where they do fortune telling. And once again, I've seen these places shut down right after those prayers were said in front of the place with the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. I, um, I don't know. I have a horrible story going through my head. It's one of these horrible, sinful places. Um, I'd found out a former student was working at one of these places and she was complaining that it shut down. And her friends were telling me about it. This is a few years back. And I remember saying, well, go tell her that she shouldn't be working at a place like that. And it shut down after I prayed in front of it. So where's she working now? Let me go pray there too. <laughs> we wish the best for our students. We want them to do good, holy, virtuous things. Consider joining the convent or something, not uh, working in these sinful places. Anyway. I think also of another priest friend of mine um, who used to go into a, a mental hospital. Now, some one thing about mental hospitals, sometimes people are misdiagnosed. Sometimes there's a demonic presence there. And he said he saw it with his own eyes when he would bring the Eucharist on certain days and walk down the hall and certain people would attack him and they didn't even realize what they were doing. They would scream and yell and carry on and, and then it, when he would give out communion to certain people and walk down the hall and his pocket was empty, those same people uh, acted completely differently. And he said, if I ever doubted the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, and if I ever doubted the presence of evil in the world, um, I believed it then. 
So it's an amazing thing. So many, once again, abortion clinics have shut down. There's many stories of these places shutting down when it's so simple. You know, a a small chapel is established to pray for the people at that clinic. A Eucharistic chapel where people go in and adore the Eucharist. Do you understand that when you go into adoration and you simply spend time with Jesus, you're shutting down evil and you're bringing in good. This is the power of prayer. It reminds me of uh, Pope John Paul establishing a contemplative convent at Auschwitz because he went there, he visited. I mean, he had been there before, but he went there as Pope and, you know, he spoke of just how the evil there was palpable because of all the murders that took place, because of all the horrendous atrocities. And so he said, I want a convent established here where sisters are praying around the clock, where Jesus is being adored in the Eucharist to drive out the evil from this place. Pope John Paul understood what's going on. He got it. I'm not just talking about murder. I'm talking about the battle between good and evil. And when there is a strong presence of evil, we overcome it with prayer. We overcome it with the power of good. Jesus always wins. Our Blessed Mother always wins, which is why we need to claim everything especially stuff that has to do with us, you and me. We need to claim it all for Jesus, Jesus through Mary. Our homes, our bedrooms, our beds, the places where we work, the people that we love, claim it all for Jesus. Get the holy water in there. Sprinkle it around. Put the the sacramentals around, the crucifixes, the medals. Wear the medals. Whatever else it takes. Holy water, holy oil. (laughs) holy pictures. I put pictures of Mary everywhere. Why? Because the devil can't stand her face. I love her face, (laughs) right? It's the opposite. So we need to always be falling in love with the holy face of Jesus, the holy face of Mary, the presence of Jesus within the Eucharist, and just growing deeper and deeper in love with these tremendous realities God has given to the world. God came to the world And he was both God and man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And so St. Thomas helps us to understand these things, and in doing so, he drives out evil. It carries on what Jesus did, and this is what we're supposed to be doing until the end of time, giving these new teachings, claiming that authority that comes from Jesus. And when we have the authority, we drive out evil, we bring in good, and one way we know that there is good conquering evil is that there is love, there is joy, there is peace. And that's what the Lord desires for you and me. So ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. God bless you. And let's pray for each other and continue to pray for peace.